0: Good evening, Patriots. And tonight is November 10th, Thursday on the West Coast. We still have a little ways. The rest of you on the East Coast have jumped to Friday. And always, I, always, I never mention the central part of the country, which is like, you're with us. We'll get to Friday as soon as the show's over. East Coast is always ahead of us. And if you're in the UK or you're down in Down Underland, I don't know what day you're on. But we love you. Patriots around the world is what we have. In a time when things are getting pretty crazy, in England they're starting to see food shortages already appear. Gas costs, fuel costs in in UK, or not UK, but the EU, are up 90% from last year. It's insane. And so we've got to make sure and take good care of our friends and our neighbors as well as ourselves preparing that way. And so make sure you've got good stock of the basics and the necessary food to carry you through these coming months and probably years. Patriots, if you didn't know, America is running out of diesel fuel. The energy information administration says that there's less than 25 days remaining in our national stockpile. Now, if trucks can't get fuel, They also can't deliver food to the grocery stores. What then, if you don't have emergency food stocked up, go to preparewithbards.com. Preparewithbards.com right now and grab a special limited time offer from My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest preparedness company. You'll save $250 on their three-month emergency food kit, which gives you a wide variety of breakfasts, lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks. My Patriot Supply wants to help you be your own grocery store. So for a limited time, you'll save $250 on their three-month food kit. Be sure to get one kit for each person in your family. This offer ends in just a few days. So go right now to preparewithbards.com and grab your $250 discount on each three-month kit you need. That's preparewithbards.com. Preparewithbards.com. Patriots, there's nothing like having the security of food in your home. So remember, go to preparewithbards.com and take advantage of this amazing offer. Oh yeah. Having food gives everybody that sense of security. That's the true wealth, you know. That's the true wealth. And that's just part of it. Seeds, growing your own food, those sorts of things. So essential. In a crazy time. Can't stress it enough, the importance of growing a garden. I know a lot of you do. Make sure inspire your friends and family. Serious, and your neighbors. Even if they're not your friends. Notice I had three categories there. Because <laughs> sometimes our neighbors aren't our friends as much as we like it to be. Looking over at you with cross eyes, going, oh, you're one of those. You carry and believe in God. You carry the Bible with you. You didn't take a vax. You didn't get sick like the rest of us. Urgh. And you're walking beautifully in your yard. You have a beautiful garden. Urgh. And you're always happy. How come? Er, <laughs> And just smile and say, because Jesus loves you too. That's all you have to do. Jesus loves you too. So, oh, Duncan says he sends his love to me. Duncan, you kilted monster, you. Thank you. For those of you that don't follow Kilted Christian, which always goes on after the Bards FM show, get on over there. And another announcement, folks, if you didn't know this, By the way, I think Bards Nation is starting to take over Podbean. Check this out. So this is pretty amazing. So I checked yesterday just by chance to see the November stats for the top hosting for live streaming on Podbean. Well, yep, you know it. Bards FM is the top live stream, number one live stream on Podbean right now, which is super cool. But here's the other part that's super cool. Number seven is kilted Christian. How's that for something? We've got two in the top ten. Seriously, so this is awesome. We're just we're going to keep stacking them. We got to get Shemaine to start doing a live stream, and then we've got the I think it's, I think Hannah's podcast is the H- Redheaded Patriot, if I'm not mistaken. And I she's starting to build up her podcast really well, so that's another one. And she's awesome because. Well, besides the fact she's like the greatest assistant anybody could ever have. And she is. But she's speaking right to the millennials. So that's awesome. So we've got like, we're covering the full range. So we just got to keep the charge going. Make sure and share Duncan's show too. I love you all, but Duncan's part of the family. So we want to make sure and boost his show as much as possible too. We're going to get like the all top 10 in Bard's nation friendly people it's going to be very cool patriots last night we've been we started in a journey into the founders bible we're going to continue that journey tonight and that journey was looking at the ideas of forgiveness and also justice and so we want to kind of dig into that it's really an important issue right now that we get very, very clear on this. And I, I'm, I'm going to just give a very quick recap from last night. The issues that we're struggling with as a nation. I'm not. And so I, when I say we, I just have to say this because many times I say like, well, oh, I've been doing that. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm happy for you. I have too, but that doesn't exclude the we because there's many in the we that have not. So, it didn't, So don't take it personally if you're doing something. And by chance, I say we, and you'd say, but not me. That's okay, because <laughs> we are we the people. All right? So just saying. All right, so that said, as a nation, very seriously, one of the big things that we are struggling with now is, well, several big things. I shouldn't say one of. There's a number of issues on the docket. One of them is to quit worshiping idols. That would be nice which would include politicians and trying to replace one politician with the other. I I'm going to tell you, I'm seeing more and more of this time to move on to Trump from Trump stuff. It's irritating me and I'm going to call it out because he posted it. That's why Greg Phillips of 2000 meals comes out tonight and he's like, Oh, yeah, you know, it looks like it's going to be Carrie Lake. Well, that's cool. I'm happy it's going to be Carrie Lake. And she's going to be the first woman president. She's on the track to be the first woman president. How about if we let her be a governor first? And how about if we cool it on the who's going to be next president when we haven't even got into that yet? We haven't even got past this vote. But everybody's wanting to seed their candidate right now because everybody's trying to get ahead somehow of President Trump. And just for the record... We voted him in right now, and I think people are now like, oh, you're done. He's not done. And until he says he's done, he's not done. And I'm just saying, because right now I haven't seen every person has their faults, a lot of issues here, but I'm just kind of sitting back and watching the field, and I don't need to start thinking about a president in 2024. I'm not going to even think about it until 2023, end of. So everybody is so, like, pushing. They're taking advantage of this moment. And this is, this is vulturous bully techniques. And it's also very high-level influence techniques, just so you know. That when someone's back against the ropes or people are down, they're not sure, they're not feeling good about stuff, now is when they pound you with their, their ideas, like, I've got a better idea for you. I've got a better widget to sell you. I, oh, I've got this great piece of swampland down in Death Valley I can sell you too at the same time. So let's, let's just like sit back and watch the field and see what's happening. Because to be honest, at the rate we're going, I haven't seen anybody that's going to be able to deal with the crisis that we think is coming. And I mean this. Politicians are politicians at this point in time. The, the playing field is equal. None of them have the best interest ultimately of the people in mind. Because ultimately it comes down to what they're going to get out of it for themselves. That a lot of things can change a lot of people. One of them is starvation, loss of income, dying of a vax. Those sorts of things change a demographic. And justice and forgiveness. So before we start painting a picture out there, and I'm hearing a lot of it, and I, I know of a number of people that are already putting trying to position themselves to be the next presidential candidate because everybody's got a better way of doing stuff. And since the GOP is now officially turned on Trump and MAGA and America First, be clear about those, all of them, including Q. So in any of those alignments, I don't care how much you're in alignment with President Trump or not, if you're in alignment with Make America Great, America First, Q., Or President Trump, the GOP essentially thinks that you're a dead movement, a a person that needs to be ignored, and like I said in the previous show, the GOP will have no problem handing you over by name to the Domestic Terrorist Task Force because you're not complying to their agenda, which is to sell America out to globalism. GOP, DNC, same thing, two faces, same party. That party is the new world order all run by the bankster mafia, all empowered by the Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson and Johnson and AstraZeneca clinical death shot producers. And, you know, I read something the other day, I cannot confirm this, but I just found it very interesting. If it happens to be true and I'm going to have to do some research, I, I, Forgot to ask Dr. Merritt today when I talked to her. I'll, I'll hopefully talk to her tomorrow. She's at a rally in Dallas right now. But um, oh, and by the way, while I'm thinking about it, because I'll mention it tomorrow too, the um, the Expedition Coffee is not online right now on the website. I'll get up a link for you to go to to purchase. But we're in the I'm in the process right now. Of resetting kind of the whole supplement health part of that website. And it's going to be a few weeks to get it up and running. But part of that is I'm talking to Dr. Merritt with a supplement that she has developed and looking at the supplement line she's carrying. And so there's going to be some similarities, and I, I may be doing some work with her to in the. What she's developing to try to get that moving because I think she's got a fantastic supplement that she's been developing. So there'll be more to follow on that, but we'll kind of go with that. Someone just said that the Founders Bibles are on back order. That may be true. I don't know if all of them are. I know certain versions are. You can always get the digital app. The promo code for Founders Bible is BARDS, B A R D S, to get 20% off. The digital app works works very well. A little, you have to kind of get it. you have to email them to get it set up. It's no big deal just to get an activation code, but you can use your promo code there to get the discount, even on the 20%, even on the, on the app. So I'll keep you posted on that too. I mean, there's a lot of things going on. I happen to know, for example, like the founder's Bible, one of the, the paper, one of the paper suppliers, I won't say all of them, one of the paper suppliers backed out. And it was American-made paper, and they decided they didn't want to be part of the Founders Bible. <laughs> I don't need to make up that story. This is just another Lindell nightmare. People are so sick in this country. I mean it. If it's not Satanism or kissing the backside of a Chinese tyrant, they, they don't want to be part of you. So, so many sellouts. One thing that we can do when we start looking at justice, and it's very clear here, is justice is to remember, and I should say it this way, never forget the companies that turn their back on America for the sake of woke politics. And that list needs to grow, and that list needs to be very extensive and very thorough. I know some people are putting it together. When I find one I'm really comfortable with, I'll share it with you. But my point of that is, is those are companies that ultimately we must give them back the same gift they gave to us, which is to ensure in a justice and accountability sort of way that they never get our dollars. And hopefully that's enough to bury them so that they will see a short life and a bankruptcy in the end. They deserve it. They've turned their back on God and they've turned their back on this nation and So that leads us right into this whole principle of forgiveness and accountability. I have no problem with what I just said in terms of forgiveness and accountability because I don't say what I just said from a point of vengeance. It's just very simple. There's going to be a justice that comes from betraying God and betraying this nation. There is an accountability before God. That's guaranteed for all of us. For some, it'd probably be pretty quick. It'll be like poof. Watch all that non-loving stuff burn away. All the non-kingdom stuff you did in your life, it gets burned away, and you're like, oh, okay, that's what's left. One minute of your life is left. Hmm. (laughs) How'd that go for you? There's going to be some tears, man. So anyway, with that said, be clear on justice, accountability, and forgiveness. Forgiveness starts with our heart to offload the burdens that other people put on us or the burdens that we have created in our life. And that's part of repentance to take that to Jesus and to offload that, to seek forgiveness for the sins that we have done. That does not change accountability, nor does it change justice. And this is where people seem to have a hard time at at times. It just is because our culture is all driven towards vengeance and so when you say forgiveness, you're like, uh, you mean I don't have, I mean that guy over there that just did something to me isn't going to get justice. And it's like, no, I didn't say that. What I said is forgiveness, forgive him. Let it go in your heart. Justice is a, is blind and it has no vengeance in it. And with that, it's very clean and there is justice for crimes done and there must be accountability. Those are things that were required here, but you don't want their actions rotting your heart. And anyway, God tells us very simply that we must forgive if we want to be, we must forgive others if we want to be forgiven for ourselves. That's just a simple rule. Not going to dispute that one. It's in the Bible. So, all right. So let's go back to where we were yesterday. One of the key points was that the... um, There are unique responsibilities pertaining singly to each of the four areas. There are which is of of which the four areas. If we go back to that, where that there is a. And I'll just read the first paragraph. Four, we're in the Founder's Bible right now. Page one sixty one. If you're curious. It says this is the very beginning. Four spheres of jurisdiction are established in the Bible. Four areas in which God establishes levels of governance and to which he gives specific instructions. Levels of governance. They are the individual, the family, civil government, and the church. So that's the four. But just as there are four unique responsibilities pertaining singly to each of the four areas of governance, there are also scriptural responsibilities that apply equally to all four. So each of those has a scriptural responsibility. And those were ceremonial law, the moral law, the judicial law, and the social compact law. The ceremonial law, as we went through last night, was dissolved with the sacrifice of Jesus. Before then, there were sacri- ceremonial sacrifices in blood, which was part of that. But with the sacrifice of Jesus, ceremonial law was essentially completed. So as long as we have Jesus in our heart and we're walking with him, the ceremonial law component of each of those areas of law, and again, those each of those areas of law are individual, family, government, and church, then we don't need any ceremonial law. Unfortunately for the Luciferians in this country, uh, ceremonial law seems to be the word of the day, hence the reason that they like to butcher children. They think that's a very empowering moment in their life, and hence the reason the Bible tells us that any of those that do harm to the little ones need a millstone and would be better to have a millstone around their neck and thrown into the sea than to face Father God, which also should tell us, conversely, the responsibility that he expects from us to protect children—very important. Okay, so we're going to jump. To, now we're going to start and jump a start tonight into the concept of moral law. The moral law encompasses God's declaration of what types of behavior or, or I'm sorry, are morally acceptable to Him. Behavior that He declares morally unacceptable includes. Rape, there's a shocker, adultery, consanguinity, incest, prostitution, sodomy, murder, and let's see, harming or cursing a parent, kidnapping, perjury, idolatry, witchcraft, blasphemy, Sabbath breaking are the are the ones. It's very interesting. I was looking for anything against children. I'm surprised it wasn't in there, but I guess we call that incest. Probably falls under incest, sodomy, murder. It covers all those. But there are, I would I would only say here that what I'm surprised it isn't specifically here is crimes against children. Because we know that that is very specific in the Bible. So we'll continue. Some Christians reject the view, reject this view, claiming that it is based on Old Testament law and that Christians are now under a new covenant, a new testament. And so the old no longer applies if the old no longer applies we wouldn't need the new or we wouldn't even have the old around and if you read the old you know that the old also refers to the new this is that's all this i do not like this new testament perspective that somehow we don't need to know the old testament i don't buy it at all it's garbage but for those christians who insist that they are to be morally guided only by the new testament a few simple questions are in order do you believe any of the following is wrong: bestiality, sex with animals, infanticide, killing of children, or arson—deliberately setting fire to destroy another's property. If the answer is yes, then, on what biblical basis do you believe this behavior to be wrong? After all, each of these is condemned only in the Old Testament, not in the New Testament. Example, bestiality is denounced in Exodus twenty-two nineteen 19 and Leviticus 20, 15 to 16. Arson condemned in Exodus 22, 6 and infanticide condemned in Exodus 21, 22 to 24 and Jeremiah 20, 32 to 35, thirty-two thirty-five. Well, you can see right now with what's when you read things like this, this is important in the sense that. This movement of LGBTQ that is being embraced by many of the churches as a progressive value that they're bringing in, that thing right there gets into some of it because they're able to deny certain aspects of biblical law because they're focused purely on New Testament, which is what they claim to be New Testament values, conveniently ignoring things like sodomy. Because they're going to redefine everything in terms of of sex that's agreed upon, consensual, or not. This is the little games they play. And this is how Lucifer works within Scripture to turn it on its head. Significantly, the moral law exp- expressing what God says is right and wrong does not change from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Whenever God says something is morally wrong, it remains wrong forever, for until he gives subsequent notification or otherwise, as Founding Father John Jay, the original Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, explained, the moral or natural law was given by the sovereign of the universe to all mankind. With them it was covel. Uh, Existing, which means existing at the same time as a as man, and with them it will be coexistent, which means lasting as long as man lasts, being founded by infinite, uh, infinity, w- infinite. Excuse me, wisdom and goodness on essential right, which never varies; it can require no amendment or alteration. John Jay further explained that the moral law was just as applicable to Christians as it was to anyone in the Old Testament. The gospel not only recognized the whole moral law and extends and, and extends and perfects our knowledge of it, but also enjoins on all mankind the observance of it, being ordained by a legislator of infinite wisdom and, and rectitude and in whom there is no variableness, that's James 117, it must be free from imperfection and therefore never has nor ever will require amendment and alteration. Hence I conclude that the moral law is exactly the same now as it has was before the flood. Now that's coming from our first chief justice of the Supreme Court, founding father Noah Webster, agreed, declaring that the moral precepts are the perceptual are of a perceptual obligation or perpetual obligation. Excuse me. Significantly, many passages in the New Testament reaffirm the moral law originally established in the Old Testament, such as 1 Corinthians six nine to ten. Galatians 5, 19 to 21, Ephesians 5, 3 to 5, Timothy 1, 9 to 10, and Revelation 21 to 8 and twenty two fifteen. Okay. The moral law of, script, of the scriptures as set forth by God himself became the basis of what the Western world or Christendom called the common law, which was incorporated into the U.S. Constitution in the Seventh Amendment. Historically, Ten Commandments have always been viewed as the embodiment of the moral law. As signer of the Declaration, John Witherspoon affirmed, the Ten Commandments are the sum of the moral law. So we start to see how much foundation scripturally there is in our founding documents. And this is extremely important. Because the Declaration of Independence is the framework of moral law. It's what establishes the architecture or hierarchy of moral law in our nation. And that goes into the second paragraph to a large degree where we are given our rights by God. We are then humbly before and subordinate to God. And government is subordinate to the wills of the people. But as we know now, what has happened is we have this usurpation, which puts government above us. We are supposed to bow to government, and God has been cast to the side, and in many ways, completely cast out. We find ourselves in a very difficult place where We have to now start to be looking forward and trying to figure out what was said to us before when this whole school that we're in has completely turned things on its head and extracted out the critical teachings of scripture and moral foundations that we need. We are literally a society wandering. We were given everything we needed. Had the education system been preserved the way it was intended, and as we know, part of what God gave us for governance is with the expectation and the Supreme Court reaffirmed is that parents were just to, to take care of their children and children were to be educated in the home, and nothing could, could unsurp that. But they did a great job of forcing public schools on people by squeezing them to such a degree through economics and other issues and convenience, the culture of convenience. This has been our biggest bane here, where we are constantly being offered something easier. Have more time for yourself. Go play tennis. Send the kids to school. Have more time. Enjoy more time cooking in the kitchen. I know your day is hard, women. I'm, I'm being sarcastic here, so don't get all feathers in a ruffle. But this is literally the, kind of the pitch Your your day is tough being a mother, so how about if we send your kids off to school and then you have more time for yourself? That's essentially the pitch. Then parents are like, yeah, this sounds like a good idea. All of this is tying to the principles of how, as we start to reestablish governance and law in our country, the understanding of moral law, which comes from the Ten Commandments, and we start to go back to living that way, a lot of these other aspects—forgiveness, justice, accountability—they start to align up. But when we're dealing with a Luciferian system that is empowered by a Babylonian magic system of money, and everything is about you, or about me, and about greed, about hoarding, about you take what if you take something from me, I must give retribution to you. I must not let you get away with anything without being punished, and the more that you're punished that makes me happy the more salvation i get in my heart which is garbage i mean this, this is the foolishness that we have in this you know i i will tell you when when i was when they decided to throw me in jail for 20 days the person that was absolutely giddy was the husband of my business partner who had died who accused me of stealing the money? He Facebook posted it. He got on the news. He did the whole smear thing. He loved it. And I'm I'm honest with you. I I really pity him. I've I've prayed for him. I've forgiven him. He's a wounded man. I don't know where he is now, but I will tell you that whatever he got out of it isn't going to fill his wound. He may think it will, but it won't. His wound goes far deeper than anything that I could imagine. Not only a loss, but you have to deal with how a marriage actually was. You have to deal with what you did or didn't do during a marriage. What you shared and didn't share. What you hid, what you spoke truth of. And his wife is dead. So I have complete, complete forgiveness for him. Because in that process, I gained something so great that I'm, in fact, I'm even grateful for all that he did and was part of. Because what I gained out of this was a deep understanding of the corrupted system. And I got there because God needed me there. And I listened to God and I gained the greatest thing one could ever gain in your life. There's nothing greater. And so it took me 20 days to gain it. And what was that? To lose everything and to gain more than I could ever imagine. And that was a deep, personal, living, loving, breathing relationship with Father God and with Jesus. And it took somebody who had vengeance in their heart and miskewed anger for something I had nothing to do with. I couldn't control the death of his wife. To use a corrupted system to come after me that brought me to a point where everything that I put as material value was lost, stripped away, gone forever. And to discover in that moment where everything seemed to be lost and there was despair, that God was there right before me saying, are you ready? And I said, yes. And as hard as it was for the next two years in rebuilding, and I struggled with anger, and I had my very creative moments of vengeful thinking, and that's a really very creative side of me, trust me. I would not want to be on my bad side. But truth be known, The greatest place I arrived at is when the day arrived that I could say to father, I completely let it go. I forgive him. I pray for him and I pray for the well-being of him and his family. And I hope father that you will lead him to the place where he too will find that peace in his heart. I talk a lot about forgiveness lately. And I'm telling you these things because I want you to understand that I'm not one that talks about stuff I don't walk. I also have great respect for the difficulty and great empathy for the difficulty at times of finding peace in anger. Especially when we've been directly harmed. And right now there's a lot of that in this nation. Okay. Let's be very real. And it's well justified too. The most important thing to acknowledge right now is to not try to deny or candy coat this moment is like, Oh, Hey, guess what? I just want you to pray and just be done with it. Just forgive it. And then go right outside and have a dance with Jesus. And it's all going to be better now. And just tell father you're all good. And you want to go have a little bite downtown with your friends. And you're going to invite those people that harmed you over. And you're all going to, Hold hands and you're going to pray and you're going to sing Kumbaya. That, which there are enough churches around that will preach some version of that, is utter crap, just so I'm clear about it. Because pain is real. When it comes to us in our hearts, it's real. And it takes a lot of work and trust in Jesus to heal some of those wounds. And I don't know whether the individual that was part of the his happy moment of having been put in jail, I don't know whether he's a believer or not. Maybe. But I do know that through the process, one way or another, the healing will never come from getting it through somebody else. And this is the ultimate thing about justice. It's really unusual in a system that we're in. We like to build out in ideas like I'm going to get him. I want him like right now in particular, we're going to talk in terms of the vax. That person needs to have justice. That person needs to be given the capital punishment for crimes against humanity. That person, this, that person, that, okay. I'm not going to disagree with the level of crime. I mean the level of punishment for the crime. But what I'm going to tell you, if you think that you're going to find solace or relief in that, you're wrong. The ultimate release comes in the forgiveness and let the justice play out. And if you question that. I would hope that you would go to the execution to witness it. Because I will tell you. I've said this statement before, but I'm not ever exaggerating when I say it. And I don't say it offhandedly or, or coy as a coy statement. When you put your foot in a pile of goo that an hour earlier was a human being, I don't care if he's your enemy combatant or, or a brother, and that stench sticks on your boots all day long. Let me tell you the value of life takes on a different meaning and the fragility of life takes on a different meaning and the realization of what we were and what he may have been takes on a different framing. We are trained and conditioned in this world to believe in vengeance, not justice. And that's our ultimate problem. Heaven seeks healing through justice. We seek destruction through justice. Let's continue. Noah Webster agreed with the statement that the Ten Commandments are the sum of the moral law. He wrote, Noah Webster wrote, The moral law is summarily contained in the Decalogue or Ten Commandments written by the finger of God on two tablets tab- tables of stone and delivered to Moses on Mount Sinai. William Penn, the great lawgiver of Pennsylvania and Delaware, declared that civil magistrates should draw upon the Ten Commandments or moral law. John Quincy Adams likewise affirmed, vain indeed would be the search among the writings of profane antiquity, secular history, to find so broad, so complete, so solid a basis For morality as this dialogue or decalogue, excuse me, Ten Commandments lays down. The moral law is openly acknowledged in the Declaration of Independence as the laws of nature and nature's God. Right there in the first sentence or right at the beginning of the second paragraph, by the way. William Blackstone, the second most invoked political authority during the founding era, explained the meaning of the two phrases of laws of nature and laws of nature's god i.e. law of revelation so i'm going to read this and this is from william blackstone man considered as creator, as man considered as a creature must necessarily be subject to the laws of his creator for he is entirely a dependent being. That phrase right there, patriots, is what we too often forget because we put ourselves before understanding that we are part of one body and dependent upon God, not independent of. Continuing, and consequently, as man depends absolutely upon his maker for everything, it is necessary that he should in all points, confirm to his maker's will. That should be conformed to his maker's will. This will of his maker is called the law of nature. The law of nature being coval or coexistent with mankind and dictated by God himself is, of course, superior in obligation to any other It is binding over the globe, in all countries, and at all times. No human laws are of any validity if contrary to this. And that is because we don't know this moral law well enough to be able to call out these ridiculous laws that they put upon us, which they know are in contradiction, but which we comply to with our own free will. So in effect, we give up, much of our sovereign rights and then we get trapped in a system designed to nurture hate and vengeance the doctrines thus delivered we call the reveal the revealed of divine law and they are to be found only in the holy scriptures upon these two foundations the law of nature and the law of revelation depend all human laws depend all human laws. That is to say, no human laws should be suffered to contradict these. John Locke, the third most cited political authority in the founding era affirmed the law of nature stands as an external, or I'm sorry, as an internal rule of men legislators, as well as others, the rulers, the rules that they legislators that is, make for other men's actions must be conformable to the law of nature. In example, the will of God. Human laws must be made according to the general laws of nature and without contradiction to any positive law of scripture. Otherwise, they are ill made. Now look at the world we have right now and listen to what our founding fathers are telling us. These hacks that have been running this nation, who have intentionally removed the teachings of Scripture from our schools, our life, our government, everywhere they can, even our corporate life, have known very well that this is the foundation of this nation. They work overtime to try to separate the connection between the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution for good reason. Because the Declaration of Independence establishes the moral law which anchors the country into the Ten Commandments. Hence what I say all the time. We are a country rooted as a in Christian ethics. Take out the Judeo part. This is a foundation where we are right now. We should be, I should say. But instead, we're walking blindly in this desert and we're going deeper in it because we haven't figured out that this entire nation, our entire life, Everything about what we have is dependent upon God. And to be dependent upon God, there's a couple of founding issues that have to occur. And guess what? We're back to that word, that one real critical word. It's called forgiveness. Because God has told us that we have to forgive. And as we forgive, he forgives us because we're not perfect. And in our eyes, while we're taught a world of imbalance, a world of scarcity, a world of inequity, There are very specific crimes that are are egregious in heaven, but to a large degree, the things that we consider of greater harm to me or greater harm to you, in heaven they're effectively equalized with a concept of forgiveness and, of course, repentance through our acceptance of Christ and bearing those sins before God. Now, take a look at the left And just think about some of these things for a minute. We start to think about how they get triggered over little things and how much drama comes from that. And oh my, is there ever drama? We start to think about those things. They have no framework to deal with actions to them. Their only framework to deal with the world is a framework that is based on secular history, exclusion of God. And that secular history is tied to an institution that has kicked out God. So their laws come down to being almost insane because every single thing has to be managed because there's nothing left if they don't have an exact way to turn left, right, half turn, down the middle, whatever, and everything isn't articulated. They don't know where to go because there's no over-encompassing body of morality. And so things become A list, a laundry list of garbage, which they have everybody comply to because if they don't, their world falls apart. And in so doing, they make constant egregious offenses to us that walk over here with a side with moral law. Our way through this, again, as we are dealing with a conflict of society right now, ultimately, and it's very difficult. There's a comment made a good one comment made that about forgiveness again with non-believers. Last time I checked, God didn't spec- specify non-believers as to be not forgiven. Where they place themselves in heaven is a whole different issue. But part of forgiveness is to open the door to guide them remembering that they don't have a relationship with our our lord. And in our process of living and being the light of guidance for others to follow, to be inspired by, because the most inspiring, most adventurous thing you can ever do in your life, I don't care if you climb Mount Everest or go to the moon, the most inspirational, the, mo- the greatest adventure you can ever jump onto is the pursuit of Jesus. There's nothing greater. And if we live that way and we demonstrate our life that way and we walk that way as in Jesus... It's addictive. Our passion for Christ becomes so addictive that others either have to run away or they'll be compelled to follow and to seek that which we have. It's the most beautiful thing you can walk with. And we're going to run into a lot of difficult people. I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> I, I think that we, difficult might be an understatement, but we're going to be there. So... There's a few of them out there. (laughs) Absolute flipping nutbags that need more Jesus. than I I don't even know if Jesus, if there's enough Jesus for them, but I'm sure there is, but we'll figure it out. All right, Patriots. So we're going to stop there tonight. We're going to pick it up again tomorrow night. We'll continue this. I think we're just going to stay in this for a while. And I, I just think this is a really healthy discussion. And I don't expect you to agree with everything I say. I'm just going to say that. And I, and I encourage the debate. It's part of us living in the love of God, I'm presenting to you from my own experience and from a, a version of the Bible, which is the founder's Bible, which is, I respect so deeply for what was done in this work. And I'm also very blessed to be, to consider one of the editors, Brad Cummings, my close friend. That's a blessing in my life. So I think there's a lot to learn here and there's a lot to discuss and there's, a, and there's a lot to think about. But I think this is a very prescient conversation for the times that we're in right now. Because as a nation, we're starting to see a lot of this stuff unravel. Truths are starting to surface. People are having to confront things that they they've never thought they'd have to confront. We're into a holiday season where we're trying to mend and we're not trying to build more trenches between us. having to walk into places and confront people that were perhaps ruthlessly ugly in the last couple of years. We have to carry forgiveness on our heart, yet we have to speak truth. So my dad always would say that in speaking truth, the best way to do it is to use a velvet-covered mallet, (laughs) which I have used that metaphor my entire life. Shape your words in such a way that the velvet seems soft and smooth. But when you walk away, you suddenly get hit with the hammer of what was said, but it's said in such a way that it slipped into your heart and settled in it made itself home, started a little fire, put its feet up on the couch and made itself warm and cozy. Until now you can't get angry, but you have to face the truth. So there's your metaphor for the day. How's that? All right, Patriots, let's pray. Father, we are really blessed to be here tonight and we just thank you with all of our heart and we choose here to humbly put ourselves before you. And I just really want to say thank you with everything I have in my heart for tonight and for these days. And as I speak this prayer tonight, as I speak from my heart, I just, whoever chooses to join in on this, I just welcome the many who choose to follow this prayer tonight, and that is simply that we are being given such an amazing gift of walking in a time when so much has been revealed, and as difficult as it has been, and it has been difficult, we have grown immensely. We have found a relationship with you that is greater than we ever imagined. We have found ourselves in places of having to walk closer to that walk of Jesus, whether we thought we were or not, we are now. We're having to really dig deep into the lessons of Scripture to learn more deeply what Jesus has been trying and tried to tell us. And above all, we've had the inspiration to reach more deeply into our relationship with you, Father, in such a profound way that we're now able to start to live a life of an intimacy with you As you are our father. None of this would have happened. Had it not been for the time in which we lived. The challenges in which we face. And all of the things that have been stripped bare for us to see clearly. In in this world with the eyes you've given us to see. So father, thank you. It's a thank you that comes deeply from my heart deeper than I can express in words, but you know my heart and you know where I'm speaking from. It's it's a perfection that you seek to build in us that's greater than we can see. It's a walk in the world of humility, more profound than we perhaps can understand. And it's, a living light of inspiration that flows through us that we often can't see at all, but others can perceive. So thank you, Father. There is nothing greater than that in this world. Truly, it is the reminder of the young rich man in the parable of the young rich man, where literally we are faced with the reality that we can let go of everything to walk deeply and Intimately with Jesus. So, in these coming days and weeks, Father, when things will get and continue to get a little bit crazy, I just pray for one thing that occasional tap, that occasional nudge, that occasional whisper, or just that soft reminder that you're right there with us. And when we start to feel alone, All we have to do is reach and be reminded again and again that like any great and fantastic father, you're there with your hand waiting to pick us up and guide us. Allow us to step over those difficult moments, to let go of the anger, to walk in a beautiful path of clarity, carrying with us the authorities of kingdom and the love of kingdom. So thank you. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Patriots, take some time each day to just talk to Father. And in these conversations, seek that deeper meaning that we're all seeking of forgiveness justice, and accountability. If we dissect these deep enough and if we embrace them fully for what they are and begin to comprehend the depth of what is being given to us with the authorities of kingdom, it is really some of the foundations of being mighty men and women of God. We are We are not unworthy, quite to the contrary. Father believes we are very worthy. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. And it's a spiritual war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land, expand the kingdom, subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Remember as well that on Saturdays now, our the Brighton TV show from today is now posted every Saturday at about 6 p.m. Eastern. So until then or until the next time, God bless. And out for now. <sighs>
1: Oh, I want to feel something, I just want to breathe again, dive into the deepest end, oh.